We are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. How'd you like that? That was good, right? That was, that was nice. I felt like I, felt like I was in church. <laughs> um, it's Sunday. Yeah, that's right. So we are in church. Yep, the Church of Dave. Anyway, <laughs> of Latter Dave Saints. Charity was already thinking of that. I could tell. That's a charity thing to say. Right. Anytime I say something corny or punny, yeah, I think of Charity. Anyway, she's in the chat right now. Well, Survivor's tier member Jasmine is also in the chat, as well as Walker's tier member Mario. Mario. So no Jasmine's tea today. Uh, Where are you? Where's Mario? <laughs> well, actually, Say maybe a little later. Mario, Mario's kind of like a ninja. You know, he'll hi, pop Mario. up when you least expect him. You're saying <laughs> the things you don't have to type. As <laughs> <laughs> if typing it will make. I wanted to cover all bases. Right, right. <laughs> she's making you feel very included, Mario. That's right. You know, even if it's redundant. Yep. So today we're talking about the sixth episode of season seven in Fear of the Walking Dead called Reclamation. Mm. Uh, this is a largely Althea, Althea focused episode, although with a hefty, hefty boatload, truckload of callbacks to when we first meet her in season four. And there's a reason for that. Uh, if you had caught the inside the episode at the end of the AMC Plus stream, uh, what Andrew Chambliss says at the end of that is that this is Althea's last episode of the season. Oh, she's season. not showing up. Yeah, uh, yeah, this whole season, mm. she's, not showing, she's not showing up. If I had to take a guess, I don't know that we'll see her. Uh, I, I was thinking the walking forever. Dead. Yeah, yeah again. I was. I was thinking last episode ever. So. Well, I was saying what he literally said. Mm-hmm. So he said this is the last time we'll see her this season. So. Yeah. I mean that's that's I, specific though. But funny how we were thinking the same thing. We were thinking mm-hmm. that, yeah, we're never going to see her again. It felt like a goodbye, like yeah. a forever goodbye. I felt all the things between Morgan and Al when it came time to certain key parts where, you know, like Morgan, that last hug or quote unquote last because Morgan does go after her. That last hug between he and she, I felt that. I felt it, it was very authentic. And then it wasn't until the end when I'd heard Andrew, Andrew Chambliss said what he said, and then I watched it the second time, I, I really understood what that meant, like what that hug meant. It's like, oh, that's a Lenny James, Maggie Grace hug. That is, Aww. you know what I mean? And so when I saw that the second time around, I was like, oh, this I'm looking at Lenny. You know, I'm looking at Maggie Grace this time. Yeah, that so, tends to hit you a little harder when you think about the actors saying goodbye to each other on set. I mean, it's one thing to lose a character, but yeah. It, ooh, yeah I it's know hard to say goodbye, like. yeah. It is. Yeah. And you know, the people are sad, not just the characters, but the people are sad. And then that, that makes us sad. Yeah. And isn't that the, isn't that a funny thing about watching these shows, covering these, these episodes and breaking them down? Like you try to do it on a narrative level, you know, you try to do it on the level of a watcher and on the level of this, the greater story in the greater universe. But then now every now and again, and maybe this is just because of where we are, the walking dead ending. Uh, and I, I had this sudden realization, like watching both TWD world beyond and, and fear the walking dead today. And yesterday I, we're starting to feel things across the entire universe. Like we're, there is a sense of ending of something ending, you know, and well, true to form, like when we meet Isabel, the episode's called the end of everything, you know, and I, at the end, the very end of my notes, I write, Oh, this is kind of like the beginning of everything. Right. Because what they were describing, what Isabel was describing when we first meet her in season five, you know, she refers to the the zombie apocalypse as the end of everything. But then, like, on the one hand, uh, Althea finally deciding to let go of the camera and let go of following the story and being the story, as Morgan says, I feel like this was a sort of end is the beginning for her. 
it really is her beginning of everything. It's like her saying, this is what she says in this, in this episode. This is what I've always done. I did this before. I'm doing this now. It's what got me through this whole thing. But her putting the, the camera down was like her saying, oh, I'm now I'm a part of this. Uh, this, I'm, this is the beginning of everything. This is the beginning of this of her story, of her story. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to the nuts and bolts of some of the things we've said over the years when it came to Al. Uh, one of which was the swan song theory. But let's mm. let's go to one of Sharon D's takes. Sharon D sent me five takes. Now, why is Sharon D not with us? Well, she, she had a very busy day yesterday. She actually went down to Sonoy, Georgia and met up with Lynn Collins at the Woodbury shop. She, Lynn Collins was generous enough to spend her time down there and sign photos and, and take selfies and, and, and stuff like that. And Charity actually went down there. She spent a whole day down there driving, driving back. It's, it's 11 hours of driving. That's, total, it's total. total. Okay, I, I total. thought so. So six, yes, yeah, six, basically five and a half, six hours there, five and a half, six hours back. Yep. So she, she had quite the long day. And then to make up for it, she has a lot of work. So <laughs> she did the best. And she, look, she still managed to give us five takes, uh, five little points that we could talk about. So I'm going to get to the first take first. Since we're at the beginning of the episode, I took a quick peek. I have not seen the rest of her takes. I did take a quick oh, peek at this one. Okay. So let me do that here. Okay, so Mario, yeah. <laughs> See, Mario is a stealthy ninja. He's here. <laughs> okay. Stealthy ninja. I need to start this off by saying um, I love this show. <laughs> and I think it's going to sound like I don't hear it in a minute, so... Let me start off with that. I love this show. I hated this episode. Hate is very strong. Okay, whoa. That's pretty strong, Sharon D. I know you're in the audience right now. I am very curious to see why you hate. Strong word, hate. Now, I have a feeling. I'm going to make some predictions. Again, I haven't seen your takes. Make some predictions. Ready? You ready, Rachel? Yep. Because this is, it's not just one Morgan. It's two Morgans. (laughs) You got Al assuming the Morgan role. And I really had to think about this. Now, I didn't even look at the first take when I was watching this episode, but I noticed something. More Al doing the Morgan thing, going off alone and assuming that she has to go out there and protect everybody. And, you know, I get it. Like, it's the CRM. You know, if they find you, you die. And so she's trying to protect them by not telling them everything and, and not, not divulging who they are, what they are, if they know anything, and if they get caught, they could kill them and, and all that stuff. I get it. But I can, I, I'm starting to understand why some people don't like Morgan now. I actually kind of want to bring it to me because I get it. And I'm starting to understand why I like Morgan and why I identify with him so much. And it's not completely for great reasons. It does, I'm feeling attacked. So now I'm playing with my keyboard right now. <laughs> I'm attacking myself right now. I know how I am. I, I grew up with a certain tradition. It is, there is a bit of a patronization when, I, when it comes to me. I, I do tend to take things on all myself. And I know how I can get sometimes. And I don't mean it to, to be controlling, actually. I come from a culture and I developed a personality of just trying to be hospitable. And I try to not put a burden on it. Okay, I see I sound like Morgan already. I try not to put a burden <laughs> on everybody. Uh, not because I feel like I am a burden. See, there's a difference. But I try not to lean on people too much because of many reasons, like I said, cultural reasons, but also I, I've been in bands growing up. I, I know what it's like to be in big projects and, and those haven't always turned out well for me. Uh, I was in a band called uh, DeVito. <laughs> there's many funny reasons why we were called DeVito, among which was most of our height. Uh, our height ranged from five two to five three to five six and then to five eight yeah so i insisted on the name too because i really like danny devito i think he's a funny funny talented actor and comedian 
mm-hmm. comedic actor. Yeah, so we we were really good. Uh, in fact, I I put you can catch some of our songs on my SoundCloud too. And uh, we did some really good stuff, and I wanted to keep going because I thought we were really doing some good stuff out here. But like they wanted to stop for some reason. I kept insisting, kept insisting. I said, "Hey, we could we could continue with this," and they just didn't want to continue. And it was just one of those things where like I thought I'd finally like because I had been in high school bands for for a long time and uh, and, and stuff like that and. It would, it would always fall apart for some reason or another. And then you get to start thinking crazy things because nobody's giving you any feedback. And it could be right for all I know. But at the same time, it's like, it, it's me, isn't it? Right? Is it me? Am I too much? You know, like, or is this not? What, and little do I know, like, I think it really was like this, it, just this idea, this, this band thing is not really what they want. They don't want it the way I want it. Like, I see things as like, you know, ride or die. You know, who knows what the future brings? And even me, I'm I'm the kind of person that's that's afraid of failure and afraid of success. I have that in me. But you know, while I have it in my hands, am I going to let it go? Am I not going to take it to the to its natural conclusion? You know, and just like this podcast, I am taking it to its natural conclusion. I will scorch earth. I will I will go down swinging. Oh, so so Mario says Morgan is a great character, but I feel like this story on fear is what everybody hates. I think it's more than that. I I, I think it's that the fact that he's even here, uh, most fear watchers don't like it. Because this was supposed to be the Clark story, right? Story about the Clarks. And so Morgan steps in and he, he, just the same reason why we were afraid of Madison to come back. We're afraid that Madison's going to chew up the screen because, you know, she was there and now she's not. Uh, But that's the reason why people don't like Morgan. uh, And most of those people are people who were erickson lovers i think what you said makes a lot of sense too we've we've touched on this fact more than a few times where people will you know see recognize and despise something in someone else that they recognize in themselves themselves. really okay please elaborate on that i really really like that okay for every reason for everything that you just said i mean morgan does take on a lot of the problems himself and that is super annoying i mean it really is oh i'm i don't want to burden anybody i have to fix this i have to solve that and i think a lot of people probably feel that same way right i mean i know i do i feel like i have to take on a lot of not just my problems but like maybe someone else's if i can help them in some way i take that on and i feel a responsibility to make something better for someone else and and if i can't i i get really down on myself for that even though it was never my position to to make the situation better i still feel terrible if i can't help someone and so I, i think it is easy to hate what we see in ourselves that Morgan is portraying, you know, or at least it, it, it's, you do yeah. you me personally. It. Yeah. 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 And anyone who is feeling that way, anyone who, you know, has those, you know, same thoughts, right. Who has the gonna... secret sauce of, of <laughs> seeing, seeing the thing in themselves that they do not like being portrayed another guy, which is the, that's yeah. the thing I'm, I'm only now realizing why it, it, at least in this one aspect, I connect so much with Morgan. It's because I, I realize it every day. I do this podcast. Holy shit. Why am I getting emotional? <laughs> it's funny because Sharon D and I just talked about it just like touched on it last night. I said, oh, hey, because Sharon has been doing the clips just so everybody knows. And I don't really talk about this too much, but like Sharon has been doing the clips in lieu of me doing it myself because there's just so much programming. There's so much coming at us uh, between the, the recordings, the editings and all that stuff. So uh, she's been helping the podcast take care of that. And I said, uh, it, you know, doing this myself again keeps me humbled and she goes why and I'm like and then I had to think about it <laughs> and I said well I don't want to feel like I'm leaning on you too much you already and this is my logic like you already give me your time I'm not even paying you and I the show makes no money so <laughs> so you know it, that it, we love being here though right I, like, I do no no involved. I do 
being involved is is our payment. Like there, we neither one of us would rather be doing anything else than this. Being a part right. of it, being involved—that's something special, right there. Yeah, and and I know I do re- I do realize that I do realize that it's just a multi varied way of looking at things. Like okay, there's obviously the, the lens of. Uh, I, oh, I, I don't want to overburden you. I don't feel, want to feel like I, I'm 100% dependent on you. So that's one aspect. There's the, another aspect of like, well, there's a logic to preserving your time or preserving your perspective so that you're not too involved with the show so that when you come in, you're not coming in with baggage. You're coming in with just the straight take and, and you, that's all you're focused on. If I have you focusing on other things, I feel like that takes away from just getting that authentic, no distractions take. Mm. So there's that lens too. Then there's the whole other lens. And this is the dangerous lens. The little lens that creeps up in the back of your neck and goes, Hey guy, you know, you don't want to scare him away, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Hey guy, you think you're slave mastering them enough? <laughs> so, so that's the thing that creeps up, keeps up in them. Now it's not, that this is, is not. That is all you. That is right. you and your 100%. brain, and that is not true at all. 100%. You know, you know both of us. You know Sharon and I both well enough by now. If we can't do something, we will tell you. <laughs> and no, and I'm I'm glad. And I, I that's yeah. I communication is so key. But that's why I brought the thing up about the bands earlier because there's it's that was that thing, and I do feel like it was verbalized at some point that hey, you know how people say it's not you, it's me. It's you. That <laughs> so that was the impression I got for that last project, which I thought was a very promising pot project. And I'll tell you what, here's here's a footnote to that. Um, one of the band members actually came up to me, not even the one that I came in with. I got into this band because a friend of mine from mm-hmm. high school, whom I kept in touch with with other, you know, to do other projects, very talented bassist who's involved in another project. He's not the one that even came up to me. It was the guitarist, whom I also got along with, but I met through that friend uh, from high school, he came up to me and he said, hey, can we use this song? This is a while ago. This is a couple of years back. Can we use this song, which you wrote? This is my song. This is my song I brought to the table for the band to perform. Actually, here's the thing. He wanted the two songs, the two songs I had written for myself that I brought to the band to perform to get the rights to actually use and re-record and then release on their own. I said, no. Cause that's the like, dude. I wrote this song. I I gave it to us so that we can work on it together. But that was my song, and um, mm-hmm. that's that's the footnote. And I and you know I said, hey, if you want to do it, just give me credit. That's I, I I broke even on that. But like, yeah, written by David Cameo. Period. You know, if you're not prepared to do that, don't do it. Or or and I and I told him, if you are going to use it, I want I just want to get I want to sign off on the final copy or the final edit because mm-hmm. that that is my song and I want it done right. Thank you, Jasmine. Jasmine says, I definitely know how you feel, Dave. Yeah, and that's and, and maybe that's why we both like Morgan. First of all, I didn't see it. I didn't see that part of it in me. But now I do. And I don't hate it. I get it. I understand it. You know, there's some things that I do hate with other characters that I see in myself. That's not one of them. I, I, I think the way that I do it is different. And I think the way that Morgan is doing it now, or Morgan is doing it at least now in this season, is different. And I'm liking that change. I'm liking that change that we started to see in season six, that we are starting to, that we're starting to see more of in season seven. It doesn't have to be all you. Grace is involved now in that decision. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm there for you too, Al. Yeah. It was like, okay. They're the power duo. They're doing. They're both doing the Morgan thing. So if you're both doing the Morgan thing, is it the Morgan thing anymore? Right. It's not. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. All of this really to say that I'm starting to understand why you, I guess you also, uh, and Sharon D don't like Morgan. And then I know it's not just that because Sharon Sharon D said earlier in the chat, she said, oh, it's because of the thing with June and the 
in the dam. But I had a thought about this, and I, I, I want to reiterate that Morgan never told June to leave. June just left. Not that we saw. Bullshit. <laughs> you cannot do that. You cannot do that. We saw from start to finish her shooting Virginia and just walking off in her badass walk. She yeah. walked away. So he does say he does say later, though, that he couldn't let her in. Like, we don't know if maybe yes. she came back at some point and he said, go but she away. She never asked. That's the thing. Yeah. And and Sharon D's quoting him right now. Oh, that's why Morgan, I couldn't let you say That's why I couldn't let you stay here. I will agree. She did leave of her own volition. She walked out. But if she had tried to come back in, Morgan was not going to let her in. He was not going to let her in. It's a good thing it never came up. Sips water. What? Her coming, her coming back? I don't think she, she does. I don't she think does she try to come back. She does try to come back when after Grace loses the baby. And then he blames her for it. So, yeah. Oh, that's him. later. But, like, I remember fuck when him. she came back to examine Daniel, she understood that she wasn't going to stay. She Morgan didn't have to say a word because like Morgan wasn't going to let her. It doesn't matter. She understood. There was an understanding between the both, and which goes to Sharon's latter point in that the things she may not that makes her uncomfortable about June. I, think, I forget what, exactly what the wording was. She she used was it's funny how like one of her only flaws. Remember the the thing about her being OP is that she is a lot like Morgan. Is that the, yeah they both understand each other, which is which is kind of like to vision. say. Less tunnel vision, but more like wanting to preserve her friends. Feel well, yeah, yeah like maybe... Sharon saying, her single-minded drive. I mean, that's right, when right, you right. have tunnel vision and you're so mission-oriented, you know, mission-oriented, taking it all on yourself. Yeah, the one thing that you hate about Mo well, one of the things that you hate about Morgan is is not the thing you hate in June, but like you do realize it is a it's it can it can be a flaw, it can be a hindrance. Yeah. So and no, and see, Sharon, that's the thing. He did not exile her. She exiled herself. That's the difference. And that's what makes them a lot alike, though, too, is them understanding each other. The only difference, the I only thing that came into question was when Grace lost the baby and Morgan was emotional. He reacted, you know, out of emotion in that moment. So, and look, we don't like that, but it happened and we all do it. And maybe that's the thing we all hate in ourselves, too. When we do that, we think of the times we did that to others and we think, God, I hated that about myself. Morgan. So I don't think Morgan would have delivered the line. That's why I couldn't let you stay here if she didn't try to come back, because that implies uh, that it's so. it's an implic it's an implication that the way he the the way that line is written implies that she tried to come back or wanted to stay there. And he said, I couldn't let you stay here. We're not Initially, factual, literal beings, though. We're emotional beings. And in that moment when he was saying that, he was saying that under the context of an extremely emotional time. I don't want to dwell on this point because you're going to feel, and case in point, we're emotional beings. We're going to say things in an emotional moment. I'm not saying you should feel differently. I'm just offering up another perspective to hopefully smooth things over, but I'm not going to try to change your mind. That's up to you guys. And I am cool with you guys having your opinions and feeling the way that you do. So it's fine. I'm firm on how I feel about Morgan and how other interpretations that other people may have seen, but I'm very clear about what I saw. <laughs> right. See, see, Sharon is like, it, th that he won't let her come back. He exiled her. Again, she exiled herself. That, that's where I stand. But she won't, she won't come back. So it doesn't matter. If she, if she wanted to, it, will you agree to that at least? We don't know it, it that. Didn't happen. We don't know. We don't know that it didn't happen. Exactly. So case in point, we don't know. Yeah. And it's, it just sounds like, okay, is it is, is it possible that had she asked to come back, she would? Yeah. But that would never have, never have happened. Cause again, they're too, they're too alike. They're too alike. It, it's kind of literally, if you'd asked if there were two Morgans and, and Morgan said, Oh, I, I get it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go away. And then, and then the other Morgan says, yeah, I wouldn't have asked you to come back if you did. You know, it's like, it's like, Morgan's asking Morgan to come back to the dam. It's like, no, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. 
Jasmine says she put him in a tough position. Yeah. Okay. So she, she, so she, yeah, Sharon, but he did, she did come back when he let her. <laughs> yeah. But to do a specific thing of, of a person that we both care about, which is Daniel. So, and, but again, she understood and she left right away. She didn't say, oh, can I stay Morgan? No, she left. She understood. Um, she brought Dory there. Oh, Dory senior. Yeah. Oh, and also, yeah, no case in point, but like, but then, but then they smoothed it over. And so there's no reason to hate him anymore. Right. <laughs> I'm asking for it. I know I'm asking for it. I only touched upon it to illustrate the thing that we are we're talking about mainly, which is we hate others, what we see in ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. And one of those things is taking it on yourself and thinking that your way is the only way, but also to take the burden away from others, the, the greatest story. So I, I only brought this up because we have two Morgans in this episode as well, maybe even three with Grace. Uh, so if there are three Morgans trying to do the Morgan thing, is it a Morgan thing anymore? Because there's participation. So <sighs> now this is me just saying this is maybe why Sharon D hates this episode. I think we're going to find that out in a second. Right, I'm so, going to yeah. start with Al. I loved Al in season four, but in season five, after she met Isabel, she turned from funny, badass, kick-ass Al into fucking sad, mopey Al, which I hated. Even though we didn't get a whole lot of her in season six, the little bit that we did get, she was just, oh, Isabel, which fucking fine. It's a love story. I get it. <laughs> but come on. In this episode, <laughs> it's like she learned absolutely nothing about the stories like oh i'm gonna go i'm gonna do more stories and i gotta find the story and blah 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 oh my god al shut the fuck up yes we got some funny al we got some cute quips and puns al and i enjoyed that part and i enjoyed blowing up the crm soldiers <laughs> with the cannon that was pretty cool that was cool. but for the most part al made me fucking crazy in this episode and it also felt like it it was just shoehorned into the series in order to give Maggie Grace uh, an, an exit like it was so out of place and it just felt awkward and it didn't advance the fucking story at all all it did was give us some closure for Al and Isabel and again I loved it that was great I love that they got a happy ending but the way that they went about it in this episode was terrible but in, in what way was it terrible is just the fact that we didn't quote unquote advance the story be my Sharon D translator I can tell you why I what I didn't like uh, regarding Al, the difference in Al from season four, five, six, and what we have now. She's been looking for Isabel since the middle of season five. She finally fucking finds her, and then she's like, "Uh, I can't, I can't not get the stories. I'm still gonna choose the stories over you." Like, ser fucking seriously? I that scene pissed me off so much. Like, you finally get what you've been looking for for two fucking seasons, and you're like. Man, never mind. I'm gonna go capture the story still instead. Fucking ugh! like I felt like so much time was wasted on her trying to find Isabel. Now, granted, yes, the ending ended up she got over her bullshit and ended up finding Isabel. And and I am per personally, I am very happy that someone on this fucking show has a happy ending. At least someone gets to ride off into the sunset with the person they love. That's cool. But I don't, I don't know. I I completely agree with Sharon D. This episode did not move our story forward at all. This, to me, was the equivalent of Tyrese's exit episode. There was no story movement whatsoever. It was just 42 minutes of watching someone die. <laughs> I mean, in this case, watching someone leave. But still, it didn't move the story forward for me. And, and we know, you know, that is a huge problem for me. I don't like episodes that go nowhere. Does it move? Yeah, so what you're saying is, is it's it doesn't move the greater story forward. It doesn't move the Correct. arc forward. Is a resolution within the greater arc not move the story forward? Like 
on on these shows, it's very very rare to have any resolution. Like the whole the whole Walking Dead universe on the whole, Fear the Walking Dead, Walking Dead, Walking Dead World Beyond. Well, I don't know. Walking Dead World Beyond seems like it might come to a resolution since it's a limited series release. That's what I'm saying.、Mm. But Fear the Walking Dead and the Walking Dead. I'm not saying that they've made a point of this, but they do embrace the zombie lore, which is in zombie lore there is no cure. There, is, you usually will lose, and so. It's a series of steps that go ultimately nowhere. But the whole point is not the destination; it's about the journey. That's that's why we watch these things. And so I can see why, from that point of view, when there is a story that is that is driven by the ultimate destination being the the, the resolution. Well, of course, it's not going to move the rest of the story, right? It, it's just gonna it's gonna stick to its own tributary and then ends when it hit, hits an inlet or like hits a lake, you know, like or spills into a. A waterway, which is the ending. You know, the ending of Al's. Well, for now, Al's story. <laughs> so no, and I get it. So and Mario even said something cool, which was I said that I really liked Al's love story, and it's cool that she got a happy ending. But the whole CRM plot didn't make any sense. There, I said it. The entire episode. She already said the entire episode could have been handled in 15 minutes. So I'm not definitely not saying I hated this episode. I'm not even saying that I disliked this episode. I have no problem with this episode as it was given to us. Maybe he spent too much time doing callbacks and parallels to when we first meet Al slash Morgan because this、mm. had a lot to do with Morgan. It's a lot about turning the tables on Al,、uh, the way Al turned the tables on Morgan. You know, when he was himself、uh, mm-hmm. uh, coming in from season eight, moving into season four, Fear the Walking Dead. Morgan was I lose people, I lose myself, and then John and Al not giving up on Morgan because it is so desolate out there. It there is nothing out there. We have to stick together. So I think spending so much time doing the callbacks is important because I think it gives us context into the kind of person Al is. I will say that is a good move. It gives us a con. It allows us to remember what where Al came from. This is the way I always was. I entered this universe like this. I was much like John. She was protected in a bubble of the person who she once was. John exiting the show in his own way. And Al also similarly exiting the show by letting go of that bubble by by becoming the story, not but not being this journalist. She felt like she had to be smashing the camera. Now, could they have done it better? I will hundred percent agree. I I hundred percent agree that they could have done this a little better. There is a way to do this where you can emphasize the fact that she has been always this way. Now, let's go to Sharon's comments about mopey, sad Isabel. Because <laughs> much like in the way she described Carol in season ten, mopey, sad Carol. You know, I didn't. I wasn't familiar with badass Carol. I was familiar with stupid, mopey,、uh, sad Carol. <laughs> Sorry, almost misquoted you,、uh, Sharony. Trying to start a fight between you and you. Well, that is advantageous for me. Anyway, so、um, no, I'm kidding. Sharony says I thought we were past Althea whining about stories.、Uh, she finally chose herself over over the story. Why? Right, right back to that. Okay, so she did something that is very good because I'm gonna get to that. Remember when you were kind of like all over the parallels? That's how I felt about this episode. Yeah, so that's that's the thing. So Jasmine says I like the parallel sweat sweat smile. That's the thing. I I was definitely over the parallels. I, I and I don't even want to. I care to point them out. I mean, they're the reason being is because they're all very narrative parallels. If we just say the thing, okay, this is meant to reflect that they didn't give up on John. They didn't give up on Morgan. They, sorry, Althea and John did not give up on Morgan. So Morgan doesn't give up on Al. We can just say the thing. We don't have to point out the parallel. But I want to go back to the mopey part because I think it's important. As much as we want our characters to be a certain way, that's not how this works. A nuclear bomb went off. Are we going to pretend that that didn't happen? Zombies roam the earth. Are we going to pretend that that didn't happen? I think there's a way to do it. And again, I, I don't think they pulled it, pulled this off. 
quite the way they wanted to. And I will agree, they could have done this a little bit differently to where we can feel like we understand why this is important, why it's important to remember that she was a journalist. And look, just like everybody else, Al is reverting. Strand is reverting and is working for him. You know, why is it okay for one person to revert because they are scared? And I, you can say Strand is being his authentic self. That may be true. But there's no doubt in my mind that Strand felt like he needed to embrace that former version of himself in order to accomplish something because he was scared. I mean, just like me, if you look at Strand, the way one looks at me and what I told you guys at the beginning of this episode, I think it was the beginning of this, right? Who knows when this episode started? <laughs> if, you look, if you look at it through that lens of me telling my story about why I am the way I am, because I don't want to overburden people or whatever. And now I'm not saying I'm exactly like Strand at all. But what I am saying is, is maybe the one thing I do get is that Strand is so used to having done this by himself, all by himself. The only person he could rely on was himself. And I get that. I totally get that. And so if he felt like he needed to be that in order to, let's acknowledge at least this part, carve out a, a, some sort of peace with his friend, even if at the end of this, he did, he, he went through the looking glass and did, and did this for himself. Let's just say that. But the, 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 the root of that, what started this was his love for his friend, Alicia. What started, it didn't end up that way. And I can't claim to know what's in his head, but I can understand that part of him. That So just like that, Althea is doing the same thing here. Now, let me acknowledge this. It shouldn't take a Walking Dead podcast to, to point this out. It really shouldn't. We've said this on the show plenty of times. If somebody has to explain it to you, then the show did something wrong. You know, it should be something that you can pick up with a little bit of, with a little bit of help maybe, but really it shouldn't have to be pointed out to you. You should be able to understand that. And if you don't understand that, then you're right. But no, so Al does get a reversion. Al is scared. I get that. A nuclear bomb went off. She, they showed from their perspective that nuke coming down and just the cost that it takes for, for these things to happen. Like, and, and how hard on top of, of, of the Sierra I'm coming after you, how hard it is to stay together. I can understand why she would feel that way. So Jasmine says, I think the bottle episodes aren't always good, though. Like this episode could have been half the length and split with the last. They both felt dragged out. Yeah, and I think that's why when we when we finished, I think when I finally finished watching this for the first time, I understood what Rachel meant was like I don't know that I will have any much to say about this episode because it does it does take a long time to go in a roundabout way to get to where it ultimately ends up. I do feel the struggle of Althea though. I do finally by the end of it, you really you literally need to watch this episode twice in order to really get it. And I, I'm starting to understand that a lot of episodes, both on this show and The Walking Dead World Beyond are episodes that you need to watch twice to understand what you really just watched. Because then you go back to the beginning yep. and understand things with greater context. <laughs> she <already laughs> said, I did, but I couldn't stomach the third watch. <laughs> but I, and, and of course, I'm saying this, acknowledging that they could have done this a little bit better. I'm also saying that I understand why Al is the way she is. I think from the moment, well, just like we said, her finally being with Isabel was the beginning of everything. Doesn't it make sense that when Al met Isabel, the end of everything wasn't really the end of the apocalypse. It's the end of any chance for Althea to ever not be a part of the story. It's the end of Althea's everything, right? From that point forward, Al, Al is Mopey Al. Al is part of the story. She's after, the yeah, after five, yeah. yeah. She even acknowledges it in the episode. She says, I broke the one rule I had. Being part of the story. Yeah. And yeah. She, I, I don't think she had realized how much she was part of the story until like this moment. Like, oh, ever since I met her, there was no way I wasn't going to be part of the story. I think it's ridiculous that she ever thought she could be outside the story. How do you think you're going to stay 
out of this, especially considering everything that's going on. Like this isn't normal times where you're filming a news story like, oh, guy falls down sewer hole. Like, no, this is apocalypse and you're watching people being attacked and eaten. Like, are you really just going to stand there and watch it happen? I, sh I would hope not. What kind of a human would just stand there and watch people get torn apart and not help? It was it was it was always <laughs> ridiculous to me that she thought she could stay out of it. I mean, we're talking about seeing things through through other people's lenses and through multiple different kinds of lenses. But my way of looking at it through Al's point of view is, yeah, I mean, you're a little bit part of the story. You have to deal with handlers and, and people that are on the ground, people from their but you're still looking at it from their point of view. You're still getting translators to translate from their point of view. I mean, literally, we don't know what it's, what it's like to be Al because we don't know what it's like to turn that part of you off that, that says, hey, you have a prime directive. You're not supposed to get involved in the story. You're not supposed to be a part of the story. If you're like that for most of your life, that's how you're kind of like John, being a cool dude, <laughs> being a cool, nice guy, but also a cop, but also like a, somebody that's going to not give up on you, right? It's part of who you are. How do you turn that part of you off? And honestly, true to form, because he couldn't, that's how he died. I mean, like, shouldn't your instinct, if you were part of this world, if you were part of the story, was to shoot Dakota or to, to like disarm her, right? But he couldn't not be himself. And I, I can understand why people would be angry at him for that in some senses. Why didn't you, John? Why couldn't you just break out of who you were for one second and take care of this problem? But you know, but, but that's the thing we love about him. And maybe that's what we loved about Althea. We liked Althea staying in her lane, but then something just disrupted her pattern. I mean, think of what it must have been like for her to meet somebody that makes her completely forget about who she is as a person, fundamentally, right? But then not realize it until now. <laughs> she's walking around thinking she's doing the, the th things the same way that she did, much like John. I can't believe how, okay, it, it didn't occur to me how much Althea is a lot like is like a product of Morgan and John until now. I, and I didn't even think about the John part. Morgan, I got like, oh, I'm doing this for myself. I'm I'm gonna take care of the CR myself. I'm gonna do everything myself. I got that part. But John, I didn't didn't quite connect it with him until Swati being the the very metal bubble she traveled in, the camera, the things she looked through rather than look with her own eyes, the being who you are in spite of yourself, you know, in spite of the, the world, like you said, in spite of the world, you are this part, you continue to be this person, even though Al is pretending that she is, but she really isn't. That's the only difference that I will say is between her and John, is that she's pretending like she's doing things the same way as she did before, but she can't help not to. Case in point, Sharony brings it up immediately. She says, ever since she met that bitch, <laughs> she's acting like a sad mopey <laughs> bitch. <laughs> so look, we're putting the pieces of the puzzle again and again. I will acknowledge, should we have to? No, that's why we exist. <laughs> but to everybody's point of why they didn't may, may not have liked this episode, you're 100% right. If you didn't <laughs> like this episode, but here I am coming from the rear saying, not saying you should like this episode. I acknowledge that why you don't like this episode, but let's look at this from all these different lenses to get a better understanding of it so that we can appreciate it. That's like the point of this show. <laughs> Here's something that you didn't think about. And maybe it makes you think a little differently. Uh, and, and to Mario's point, I love this. Wow, it seems like we all have different takes on this. <laughs> we are squawking dead. That's right. That's why we do what we do. Because through our different lenses, we have a greater appreciation for these shows, I think. And that's really why we've come together. And that's why we do this. It's not just about me, Dave. <laughs> it's not just about <laughs> doing it yourself, Dave. 
It's about <laughs> accepting the help of others. It's accepting the viewpoint of others. This, this, I, I will say this out loud. The, the way this podcast started is definitely not the way it ended. Or it's not ending, but I'm just saying today, I, this wasn't really supposed to be We Are Squawking Dead. It wasn't, didn't start out that way. This podcast was is just like Al. We came in with one idea. Oh, we're so cool. We have ideas about The Walking Dead. <laughs> now, it, it was always going to be about appreciation for what we liked rather than what we didn't like. But it ended up being a cacophony of voices from which we could get a, a greater... And out of necessity, I will admit, you know, we had some troubles. Uh, yeah, about a year and a half or a year in. No, about a year in. Not even a year in. Sorry. And then we, we kind of balanced things out and, and we made it about something else. And we slowly tweaked on it over the course of four years. And again, we're starting our fifth year now. And we just closed the fourth year not too long ago, beginning of this month. Just like Al, it, it, it's about finding our own story. It's about finding, getting closer to what it is. We may not even be fully aware of where we end up, but we'll find that out together. Do you think some of this, some of the feelings that you may have for Al's happiness might be projection? And I feel bad asking this because it sounds like a stupid question, but I, I want to, I want you to dig deep. Do you think some of it may have to do with like it? Well, why is it that Al and Isabel can find happiness where John and June couldn't? Do you think that that some of that is part of that? And I, 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 um, I, I don't mean to be antagonistic, and I just, I just feel like we, we need to address that. I think. Well, I can't I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I can say for me personally, I I don't think it's about um jealousy. I'm I'm just going to call it jealousy, right? Like okay, why do okay. they get why are they happy and and they don't get just it, right? Brevity. Like that's Yeah. We we'll use that yeah, word for But now. I don't I don't think that's what's going through my mind. First of all, Sherry and I have had a lot of conversations about who June would be today had John survived. We almost we can almost like all Megan agree that, that Sorry. Ki- ki- I mean kind of but in a yeah. in a good version, right? Yeah, in a good way. Um, as painful as it was to lose John, I think we all can agree that we love this version of June that has come from this tragedy. Cuz it's a bit Now that we know too? Well, sh- well, sure, sure. And now that we know how everything has panned out, I-, I can't say I would go back and change anything because I think everything happened the way it was supposed to happen. June got the time that she had with John. She learned from him and she's carrying the best parts of him with her now. And and I and I like that. I do. So for me, I, I don't think it's about well, why should they, why do they get to be happy when, when this other couple didn't? It just dragged on and on for me. Like it was, this was like pulling teeth, you know, not to make another John reference, but um, it just felt to me like it was just very slow going. Like Sharon said earlier, this whole episode really could have been wrapped up in like 15 minutes. Felt like they really pulled on it to just I don't know, drag, drag it out. And that's kind of how it felt to me, just really dragged out. Now, do you feel like it dragged out because, it, I'm just throwing it out there, do you think it dragged out because, like, why why doesn't this bitch get it? Is, is and, and again, this is in, in lieu of partly. the right des- descriptors. I, th- like, I think I will say partly because, yes, it did. I was really irritated when we see the footage of Al telling Isabel, like, oh, I can't stay. I have to go out and chase stories still. Like, that really irritated me. I got really mad when I saw that. You have been looking for this bitch for two years. And well, I mean, two years for us, right? Like, we don't. The, I'm sure it was a little shorter time. You found her and you were universe. with her. Right. She, she, do you yeah. remember? After the events of the holding, she goes off to find her. She does find her. She's with her for a yes. little while, a nice while, yes. actually. And, then, and they're happy. And then, like they, then, they seem happy. Yeah. And then the nukes yeah. happen. Now, 
it seems like Isabella was doing this, was filming, and we have to bring this up. I don't know how much we're going to dwell on this, but it seems like Isabella was filming Al because deep in her heart she felt like, how is this going to last? When she mentions you were right the first time, she at the end of the, the video, of her video, Al, uh, Isabel's video of Al, she says, you're right the first time. You know, the, this is not going to last. You know, we're going to keep having to keep lo- looking over her shoulder. I'm looking for my, my, why did my brother have to die getting this story? Is the CRM part of that story, et cetera, et cetera, right? I, I mean, I can I can agree to that. Like, you, yes, you were right. You know, how could we ever be happy? But at the same time, it's like, you're happy right now. In an apocalypse, all you have is right now, right this very second. You don't know if if you or someone you love is going to die in an hour from a walker bite or be shot down from a helicopter or who knows? You have no idea what is going to happen from moment to moment in the apocalypse. So if you have happiness right now in this minute, that to me is all that should matter. And and she's right. The CRM could show up and kill the both of them at any moment. So does that mean you you separate and live your last moments in misery thinking about this person? Or do you spend every moment you have with this person, even if it means the bad guys catch up to you and, and kill you? I would I would take every moment I had with the people I love. That, that would be my choice. Right. Uh, there was that concerted effort, though, to shoehorn in why she wants to be out there with her camera. And that was to maybe get closer to the CRM. Are these the same people that made it? You know, Project Cobalt, because that's what they're describing in Fear of the Walking Dead. The whole, this all goes back to the military standing off against the National Guard. Uh, is it the same military? Again, we have that date from the Walking Dead World Beyond, which is which happened in 2002. We, we have a lot of clues that point out that this may have been rolling on way before the zombie fall. And maybe those two things are agnostic of each other, right? The zombie fall does not necessarily have to be related to a military takeover of the United States, but it just so happened it made it expedient, let's say. You know, this thing could have been started from a long time ago. And maybe that was part of it, right? Maybe they were making super soldiers and then by accident they created a zombie outbreak. I don't know. <laughs> Point is, that's Al, That's what Al wants to find out. She wants to know why her brother had to die trying to get the story. And I put this to you in a way that hopefully maybe we can understand on a personal level. Because we are paralleling this to John and June, too. Do you think June would have stopped trying to find out who John's killer? Let's say if the killer wasn't Ginny, let's say. It was somebody else or whatever. Or Dakota, rather. Sorry, Dakota. Mm. But ultimately Ginny. But Mm -hmm. sort of Dakota. Like, would she have stopped? Asking June to stop is impossible, right? She's driven, single-minded. I mean, you can Mm. accuse Al of the same thing, even though she tries not to be a part of the story. But that's her 24-7. Her raison d'etre is to get the story. So regardless of her personal feelings, that's how she is. She That's her being. That's her. So in, in an effort to try, and I, I was trying to pull in a personal reference, but I, I decided not to. I was like, oh, well, how would you feel about, you know, I'm not bringing that in. I'm, I'm not going to ask you to do that. It just feels like too much. And Because sometimes when you bring in a personal reference, sometimes it works. But most times when you bring it in, sometimes it's just too fantastical to think about to want to think about for you to go there. So I won't. But if I can bring in June, we feel certain ways about June. She's a mythical person. So, but we get her, we have, we know her modus operandi. We know her story. Then it, it it's an easier thing to connect with because it's not forcing you to go places you don't want to go. So, okay. So what do you think about that? June, if you had to sub out June for Al, would she have stopped? Mm. Now you can see how hard it is for her to stop. And again, 
This is all to, to acknowledge the fact, to acknowledge the fact 100% that she is scared. She says this at the end of the episode. Yeah. Morgan ends up being so right, just like Althea well, was about him. Sharon D brings up Sharon D brings up a very good point. Okay. She asks, here's a question. Why does she have to give up stories just because they're running? Why can't Al do what she's doing with Isabel? So it turns out she doesn't. Okay. At the end of this episode. She doesn't what? She doesn't have to give up the stories. Oh, I'll tell yeah. You, I'll tell you why. This is going to be the, this is why this, at the end of this episode is a little bit, a little bit of a question mark. Isabel says, some, says something very pointed. You know the way this works. The only way we can stay one step ahead of them. What do you think she means by that? What is it going to stay, take to stay one step ahead of them? <laughs> Charity says, kid, <laughs> kidnap Jadis. But really, this is the thing that I'm going to go a roundabout way of saying this, as I usually do. One of the things we said in season six slash season seven, especially season six, our characters felt like they needed to embrace a prior version of themselves to go super Strand three or super Alicia three or super Morgan three or whatever it's going to be, right? Season seven, they actually do it. The triumph over adversity is real in this season. They are climbing over some heavy, almost impossible for their character shit, but the other characters that are there enable them to make that happen. I love it. That's why I love these episodes. There is a clear triumph over adversity. The threat of reverting to their former selves so that they can go climb over their their once selves to be something new. Like Sarah, right? Like, ah, the threat of her going backwards and leaving Josiah to, to like she did Clayton. And then suddenly embracing a whole new version of themselves by way of having to let go of a dependency like Wendell, right? So looking at Althea and smashing the camera too, just before Isabel says this. So you know what we have to do to stay one ahead of uh, one step ahead of them. Well, now I've gotten what I wanted. Ultimately, I got Isabel. But now I can be this version of myself that follows the story without losing myself. They're gonna have to, the way they're gonna have to stay ahead of them is for Althea to be her resourceful journalistic self, the way she got Isabel, the way she was always able to find Isabel. She was like finding Isabel in the dark initially when she finally caught up with her at Fort San Vicente, by the way, that's where she brought Isabel, Fort San Vicente, or I don't know, they. I know what came first, the chicken or the egg, because that's where they ended up taking Sarah and the gang, uh, Sarah, mm -hmm. uh, Wes. Lucy, Rabbi. Right. Yeah. So All Isabel could have found the place and then that's how they got there. Or Althea found the place and then uh, it doesn't matter really. But that's where they were, by the way, with the cannon. So them together, finding each other, finally. You know, this is, it was a shot in the dark and she took it and she found it. She's going to have to do the same thing to stay ahead of the CRM. She's going to have to be that resourceful journalistic self to stay ahead of them. Does that mean she's going to follow stories? Does that mean she's going to follow the CRM? No, she's going to keep tabs on the CRM, being that self, but in order to embrace this new life. So there's a little bit of the old, but, in, but to be this whole other person that she doesn't even know how to be in the apocalypse. Sharon says, first dump the microchip helicopter, duh, Isabel. Yeah, which I think they will. I think that's what they're going to do. Um, be, not before they, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they'll do it. I'm not concerned about that. That's like the CRM uniform. Uh, sorry, the Commonwealth uniforms. I don't care. Uh, and then <laughs> says, they're forged by fire, a la Pope. <laughs> and then uh, Sharon also says, the twin sister cannon. I thought the exact same thing. The twin sisters mm -hmm. from, from when mm -hmm. we talked about in, um, was it the twin sister? It was the first episode, right? Wasn't it? With Will, the twin sisters, right? Uh, it was George, yeah, 701. That's right. George yeah. Washington Hockley. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's my answer to that is I don't think, so to Sharon's question, I don't think that's, I don't think she's losing that part of her. I think she's using that part of her in a lesser extent to stay ahead of the CR. I don't think she has to let go of that part of her character. I think she had to let go of the fact that she, 
I'm not part of the story. And that's the sweet, what she needed to do to be with Isabel. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You are part of the story, and that's the way this works. Or at least you have to acknowledge that you're part of the story. Like Morgan was saying, how are you, how are you walking around thinking you're not part of the story still? What, why are you sad, mopey Isabel? <laughs> Sorry, sad, mopey Althea. Why are you sad, mopey Althea? What's wrong with you? I mean, he's, he, like I literally almost feel I'm saying, what's wrong with you? I don't get this. I don't, that's why I hit your camera. I'm putting you in a timeout. <laughs> <laughs> snap out of it that snap he, he that's what he's saying like like to to morgan's point i feel like in that one moment i felt like you guys could have rallied behind morgan in that one moment it's like dude, dude i hit that camera because fuck that shit she's not going down that route well there were two there were two morgan speeches well maybe more but two that stick out with me and the very first time morgan is talking to, to al he pissed me off and i'm like shut your face quit mansplaining every quit mansplaining althea's life to her shut up i hate you okay and then and then later in the episode he's having a completely different conversation with her and i even said right out loud see morgan this is how you talk to people this this is much better he wasn't mansplaining are he you mansplaining to me what <laughs> <laughs> how people ought to talk <laughs> how morgan should morgan needs to learn how to talk to people without telling them how to live their life like you can just have a conversation and not tell people what to do you know what i will say this out loud if reddit is any any indicator and it, and it is i think fear watchers are starting to sour on the bottle episodes to uh, to jasmine's point she says they need to kill making every episode a bottle one it worked in 6A, but it's been dropping since uh, since 6.11. And no, and you're not alone. A, a lot of people are starting to not like, well, more the anthology style uh, storytelling. It, I think it really did work in six in season six because they broke away from it a little bit here and there. But now with all this isolation and how the, the, these anthology episodes are looking and sounding more like bottle episodes, kind of like to your point about this, this episode was essentially an owl bottle episode. They weren't in the same setting, but it really did involve mostly the few characters on this on this in this episode. I mean, you did get to see Sarah and Luciana, but in like a found footage version of themselves. So it doesn't. It still feels bodily. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like they're in the episode really. Even though you can tell there was time filming that scene. Probably took a couple hours to get it right. You never know. But you know. But still, from our point of view, it doesn't feel like they were part of this episode necessarily. Do you? Are you waning on the? on the whole anthology style storytelling. I'm not yet, but I, I do f I feel I, the tug a little bit. I don't like it. I, I've never liked it. I, it. I don't like it, but I understand why they do it. So Is it working, at least, for now? That's I guess that's what I'm. The, yeah, right now. yes, I I will say yes. They are they are making it work because as much as I don't like these types of episodes, I I don't always feel I feel I still feel okay at the end of at the end of each episode, with right. the exception of this one. This one did feel especially bodily, but in general, I think they are doing it right. I mean, granted, I would love to see all of our characters in every episode and find out what everybody's doing all the time because that's what I love. But again, I understand why they can't do that and i would much rather uh our favorite actors be safe and stay healthy than jeopardize anything like this well for me it's i i, I do enjoy a good bottle episode but but not the, every single episode though right i mean that's kind of what i'm about to describe yeah these anthology episodes do or at least the ones in season six the way i understood it before we got into season six i felt like they were going to be more bottle episodes and I was pleased and see, I lowered my expectations. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But then once we got them, it felt like, okay, 
they're centering around characters that move about the universe. So it's not like within a certain, like a, it's not like Close Your Eyes where it's literally in a house. They're moving about the universe, interacting with other characters, but it's kind of sort of from their point of view. I was great with that. I'm 100% great with that. But now in season seven, they it's still like it was in season six, but because of the nuclear fallout, because of, and look, you gotta admit, they are moving about the universe, but, but, there's something about the nuclear fallout itself that makes it feel like you're in one setting. It, it, mm-hmm. You feel isolated. You feel claustrophobic. Your peripherals, your peripherals are all fucked up. And in your and look to their credit, I'm feeling it. They built the setting of the world in, in such a way that when they're moving about the universe, they feel claustrophobic. They feel like they're I'm paranoid that their suit's gonna rip open. Although, granted, we're a couple episodes in or six episodes in, and I'm already feeling like. They just seem to not care. They just rip off their mask every now and again. <laughs> and, but, and maybe to their point, and maybe to the greater point of people finally ripping off their masks and being with other people. I, I mean, like, there's a metaphor there, right? When, when Al rips off her mask, like, we can't, it, radiation's not going to matter if we're dead. Al, it's not going to matter. Yeah. You know, not being with Isabel is not going to matter if she's dead. Be with the person you're going to be, if, even if it means it, you're going to die. So I... Yeah. That's what I said earlier. <laughs> but then going back to the file thing, I, I'm glad that we get to feel that. We do get to feel that isolation, that further isolation. So I'm, long story short, I am starting to feel the tug of, um, that these um, anthology episodes are starting to feel more like bottle episodes. And I like bottle episodes, but this this is getting dangerous. Before we continue, the next episode is going to be episode seven. Now, what did I say before, before we started talking about the season? I had said... We're not going to see Alicia until the seventh episode. And it feels like that's going to be the case because I did see some stills from episode seven and Alicia's in it. Or either that or it's a preview into see an episode to episode eight. Mm. And that's where Alicia's in. But hey, I, I, don't, it's like, I don't look to be right. Well, guys, I can't help it. <laughs> and by the way, it's not like I mind either that we don't see Alicia. Because when, when she finally does come on screen, we'll be like, oh, this is a girl. Alicia Clark, the only Clark that's left. But let me let me continue on with the just reading. I don't want to feel like I missed your chats too. So yeah. So Jasmine says, do you do you not think she might be scared of finally being happy? And this is something I was trying to illustrate earlier, like afraid of success. What does that mean for her as a human being to let go of her identity, the thing that makes her what she feels makes her her? Or I don't know if she even feels it. Again, I don't think she's conscious of her, that she ever let go of the story. But Sherry even knew it. <laughs> you became mopey. Mopey Althea, since ever since Isabel. So Morgan's kind of like the one to kind of see it. And so Sharon D is Morgan. So uh, let's move on. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So Sharon D, to, to our point about starting the, the anthology episode starting to wane, she says, I was talking about to someone in Sonoy about complaining about the anthology. Tired of having 20 minutes of my fave characters in seven episodes. <laughs> oh, so A, on the plus side, Sharon D says, it has forced me to be invested in other characters. All right. That's cool, too. <laughs> She said, it, it, for me, comparing Sharon D to Morgan, she said, them's fighting words, sir. Like, is it though? Mm-hmm. Is, is it Morgan? <laughs> then she pops onto the stream and goes, play take four. It's about you. <laughs> well, let's play take four. It's about me. No, it's not. I don't know. Let's find out. Does the CRM send all of their shitty soldiers to Texas? It's about like, me. Is Portland, <laughs> Texas the repository for garbage <laughs> CRM soldiers? Is that how Isabel ended up there? You know, Miss AWOL and these two fucking goofballs <laughs> that we had in this episode. Like, we're supposed to be scared of the CRM? Why? Why? They were terrible. Okay. That's all I got to say about that. I think I know where she's coming from. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying I get where you're coming from. If 
this is the thing that we're supposed to be scared about. I'm not that scared. You know, I'm not saying me. I'm saying I'm speaking on behalf of people who in general. think this way. Yeah. Yeah. I was scared, though. That, I think it says more about Morgan and Grace as, as a force than it does about the CRM soldiers. Well, I was only scared because I was remembering the CRM soldiers that we ha- that we see on World Beyond, right? Mm-hmm. So we got to remember the soldiers we see on World Beyond have, let, let's say, what, five, six plus years of training compared to the CRM soldiers we're seeing here on Fear. So maybe things have changed. Maybe they just weren't as, as good. Maybe they weren't as organized, as well-trained as they are now. I mean, maybe these were like the first wave of soldiers that they had to deal with. And and it was like anybody who could hold a gun could be a soldier, right? <laughs> well, I think season six was supposed to also teach us that they're not as infallible as we, as they, they were initially made to seem too. Because if they, if Teddy had one of their soldiers in the holding, you know, one mm-hmm. of their, as a walker, as a sewed up walker, well, that, that should also give you a clue that they're even they're not immune to it. And I think we just said it in the last episode, too. And this is Walking Dead World Beyond stuff for you, those of you who are just watching us for fear. If General Beale, Major General Beale, is also not invested in Project Votus the way he was originally. And we're assuming that it's even him that has lost faith in the project. Uh, and is using it as a smokescreen for genocide. Then what does that say about the implacability of the civic public military? What does that say about their... Not about their dominating force, but it says, oh, hey, we had this goal of trying to be humanity's last light to solve the problem. Well, if they don't even believe that's possible, then they're focusing on the force part. You know, they're focusing on the the last of the last light, you know, like, oh, it's us and that's it. But to cover for maybe the shortcomings of this episode, as far as this goes, like to, to the CRM strength, they send in a small force, two people. Could have been more, but they do they do a small amount of people because they want to get in, get out, send a surgical team. They don't even arm the helicopter. It has to be a lightweight helicopter so you can take off and lift, uh, lift off and touch down really quick. And to the, to the point, they illustrated that. They're able to lift off, touch down really quick, go in, go out, done. We eliminated all the evidence or erased all the tracks of any semblance of, of us being around. To their, to their detriment, though, had they sent a bigger force, they would have been able to eliminate. Now, here's the cover part. A nuke went off, <laughs> killing <laughs> mostly everything. So if you're the CRM and you're looking for Isabel or traces of Isabel, let's say, let's just call a spade a spade. Because that's what they're looking for, right? They're not looking for anything else. Do, would you think that... You would need more than the two, the surgical two? I wouldn't think so. No, what you... I would think two soldiers would be more than enough to go and find, locate a single person. An AWOL soldier, right? Because that's the yes. whole point. That's what yeah. they did last time with the other guy, right? Yeah. They, they found the AWOL soldier. They, all they were looking for at that point was the maps, mm-hmm. right? Boom. Yep. Done. Yeah, done. exactly. Isabel was part of a reclamation team already. Like, she knows, she knows the drill. Yeah. All right. And then she went AWOL. Took herself out of the equation from Portland, Texas, as Sharon said. <laughs> but no, but but to Sharon's point, they didn't seem all that scary. But I, I I prefer to think that our Morgan is kind of ex- we've always called our characters extra, yeah. and now they're demonstrating they're extra. Now, did it seem like they were extra? That's debatable. I've always said this: it's mostly luck. The fact that these characters are in here for our enjoyment to watch is luck. Like most people do not get this chance, but it's always a series of circumstances that enable them to get out of a situation alive. I mean, look, Rick being on, Rick being on the show, starting this whole, kicking this whole thing off. Who wakes up from a coma? And then you find out from the webisodes that they aired. But because you're thinking to yourself and you forget, how does a coma patient 
make it out of the hospital without a scratch on him. How does that happen? And then you forget, right? He was super lucky. I mean, it shows Shane blocking the way with a gurney. But really? But right? It's luck. Mm -hmm. This goes beyond... Uh, suspension of disbelief. There's, there's. You just have to acknowledge that certain situations need need luck, and 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 luck is really the mostly the reason why people make it out alive. What, what are you laughing about? See, I look, I I look at that and I'm like, well, it happened because it was written that way. Yeah, but it has, yeah, it has to go that way in order to have a show. Like that's right. what my like. I don't like. I don't very often like think about the real life implications. I'm like, no, it happened because it was written that way. That's what they want us to. That's because that's how it has to go. If he didn't make it out, we wouldn't have a show. So it had to go well, that God way. God bless you, Tanya Tim. Because <laughs> <laughs> God bless every one of us. Uh, no, because I say that because it's like no, because you get it. There, there's a certain amount of like yes, it, you're written that way. But like, right. but most people when you most people when you say that say, but it still has to make sense. What you, what's well, your yeah. answer to that? Does it though? Mm? I okay for me personally. I'm being yes, that guy. I don't, I don't care. Well. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it does, it does though. Like, it does have to make a certain amount of sense. It really does. That's where I'll start, like, having my problems. If, like, if they're pushing the story forward and what happens doesn't make sense, then Rick I'm going to have Being alive in the first that. place doesn't make sense, right? Right. Like, Think if about he, it. Like, if, well, well, why not? Does it? There are bullet holes in the wall outside his door. Why, and they went, and you find out from the webiso- webisodes, they went room to room killing all yeah. the patients, right? Oh, yeah. They yeah. weren't dead. If this were real, if this were real life, Rick would absolutely be dead. They would have but come that's... into the room and they would have shot him. Yeah. But that's that's the metric that people use mm, to, mm. To, to, to justify the scene, their bitchiness, you know? This, the, scene, the scene where Shane is in the room. Shane's in the room and he ducks down uh, behind the bed when, when the... When the army guy, whoever he is, he comes in and he looks around to see if anybody... No, that he would have shot Rick right there. That guy entering the room would have killed Rick right then and there. But if he did that, we wouldn't have a show to watch. Right. So, so luck. He couldn't. <laughs> luck. Well, but even to explain why he, yeah. in the real world, why he might not have done it. Luck. Luck. Maybe he was called luck. away. Maybe luck. It's all luck. Yep. And can I just say... In the real world, luck is all, I mean, luck isn't a thing. Luck is just, is just the gap between circumstance, right? It's like, it could have gone this way, but something else intervened. Luck is the absence of a logical conclusion, meaning yes. something else came in to explain that circumstance, to make yes. that happen. It's the thing itself isn't a thing. It's just, to, it's solved for X. But that happens in real life too. Some of the opportunities that we get are just like, oh, my resume was at the top of the pile or some word I used triggered that guy's memory to make me think that I would be the perfect candidate. It just happened to be. It is not a thing. It, mm-hmm. It's just cars bumping into each other and hoping something sticks. You know, that's life. I say I only reason why I say all this is because I well, to cover for <laughs> for the CRM soldiers not being as adequate. Fine. But um, or adequate to our liking or the. But see, the, the, that's the problem with taking something that was originally in the shadows and bringing it to the light. Okay, now you're going to start to see all the flaws. They're not as, maybe to, as to Al was saying earlier, they're not as 100%, you know, implacable. And maybe to the show's point, painting them the way that they were up until this point has convinced us that they are implacable. Now we have a certain impression. Oh, they are an unstoppable force that if you see them first, or if you see them, if you see them, you're already dead. And, you know, maybe they're right. But they're still people. Iris killing one of those soldiers with their helmet off. You know, remember, we have to actually see that this was a real person. That's why I keep bringing up the executioner helmets. Yes, they are painted in a way 
that makes us fear them because that's what was intended. Let's bring ourselves into their world. If you saw somebody like that out in the wild, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? I'm hiding, you know, mm-hmm. like in real life. If I go outside my and I don't see Colby and I see a soldier instead. <laughs> But if I see that, I'm going right back into my apartment and I'm going to bolt the doors because that yep. shit's that because now I know. Now I know. But, <laughs> but I'm, I'm hiding because that's an executioner. I'm also I'm afraid of robots, too. That's a whole other story. But still, I have a fear of robots. It's a thing. Is it a thing? I don't know. It must be a thing. Re- C-3PO weirded me out as a kid. I, I think I'm about just- it now. I'm just super, super nice. I try to be really, really nice to all my electronic devices because when technology rises up against us, I want them to spread the word that I'm a good human and I've always been nice to things. <laughs> oh, man. I'm that, af- I'm, that I'm that afraid of, I guess you could say, robots. <laughs> I, you realize now you have to blackmail me because I have so much proof of you being not nice to them. <laughs> um, well, you, if you, if so you have the proof, then they already have it too. So right. oh, I'm screwed. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but I like okay. I no I'm like that in like if I ask Google so I have one of those Google Home things and I, like I always say please and thank you and <laughs> I'll talk to my Google Home like she's a real person. <laughs> Sharon D is welcoming our new robot overlords with open arms. Well, not until I compress your video, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> the scene when they were running through the cars. It was probably one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Really? I was really impressed. Oh my god, I hated this episode so much. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I love you. Goodbye. (laughs) It's a good thing she wasn't on with us. I mean, (laughs) I could just see her folding her arms almost the entire show. like, "Mm -mm," and shaking her head. And then the audio podcast be like, was Sharon on this show? (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually... I don't know about you. See, I think you would be impressed with the the scenes going with her, with them weaving behind between the cars. Why? Is because I got to see some really cool effects. So it's not just squibs when uh, the, the bullets hit the cars. You know what they're using? They're using dust bullets. You can actually see the whizzing of the bullets in the air. Oh. Yeah. Look at these scenes closely. It's so cool. Like it, I guess it I do like have to go back and time. watch it again. Yeah, I, Sharon oh and I God. had the same. Sharon and I had the same feeling watching that episode. We're like, who? These guys are like the the failed stormtrooper rejects that couldn't make it to outer space. Like they, it was just, it was terrible. Like like she said before, like we're supposed to be so scared of these guys, but they can't they can't hit for anything for shit. But it's a visibility problem too. We said the same thing about uh, Dory because of their because right? of their helmets. Yeah, and Dwight <laughs> not having his peripherals, seeing Alex, aka Eli. <laughs> No, I mean, there's a lot going on here. So I, I feel like, okay, the CRM surgical team is at a disadvantage in this environment too. So the advantage that they have is obviously what, what this, I love that she dropped this line because it does have a greater universe thing is like how she dropped this line that says, oh, they have something better than Prussian blue. You, you're fucking primitive Prussian blue. They're whatever you think they, that we've got, they've got better. You know, like mm-hmm. their suits are better equipped or whatever. So I like that little nugget, but, but then there's the, the other like, obvious like flaws like well they have the same visibility as anybody else who would have in, in any one any one of these other suits and stuff like that and they're not using the the usual crm helmet they're using their gas masky type their other stormtrooper helmets right because some of the stormtroopers wear different helmets so mm-hmm. like the squadron so the squadron helmets that's what they're using actually the squadron <laughs> from, from star wars right it looks more, looks more like darth vader i think or something i don't remember what it was anyway you know it's it's probably really tough to hit them and we don't know if they're ahead or behind but 
I, I did feel nervous. You know, I actually got to see the bullets whiz in the air, almost hitting them, you know? And it's hard to hit a moving target when you're moving too, by the way. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But there, just like but Rick. there did there did come a point where where they were standing still and they were just sitting there for a while because they had a few lines to deliver and everything. And while they're sitting there, I, I, I'm wondering why the CRM soldiers haven't literally walked up to them. Like they're, they're sitting ducks and the CRM soldiers are not fucking moving towards them at all. Like, why aren't you moving? Why are you not moving toward? They're not shooting back at you. Why aren't right. you pressing forward? That That is a good point. That is a good point. <laughs> yeah, but then I also remember the fact that, like, the CRM is also not used to engaging up close, too, until they have to, right? I mean, this is a thing that we said about them also, is that they will try to get at you from the shadows. They'll try to make it so that you don't see them. That That's their whole thing. But, I mean, this would be one of those situations where they need to get a little closer in order to hit their, you know, eliminate their target. And it just yeah. seemed like they weren't. Until they did, right? And I'm so, like, get closer. Like, here I am cheering for the bad guy, but I'm like, you're so stupid. Well, like, why aren't you moving? They're not shooting back at you. Why aren't you moving forward? Well, you're not cheering for the bad guy as much as you are going, <laughs> hey, what the deal, guys? And yeah. Campbell's, and go, so Kinda, yeah. to, your, to that, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Morgan and Grace uh, getting captured is the logical answer to your question, right? Like, and maybe that's how they prefer it. Maybe if to get advantage, to get the advantage on their opponents, they have to find a way to sneak up on them so that there's no way out. Okay, so let's take the logical conclusion. From what I'm saying, what does that mean? Well, maybe them sh being shot at was their way of, of putting them into a position where they could do that. Right now, they're in an open environment where they don't really have the advantage. The advantage is to back them into a corner or to bring them into an environment where they feel like they can take them out cleanly and without any other interference, right? Doing that in the parking lot, ideally fine. If they can get it, fine. If they're a moving target, they're moving, they're moving against the moving target. So maybe, maybe the maybe the whole point of them shooting at them continuously was not to get at them necessarily, even though if they did, that'd be great. But to find a way to back them into a corner to take them out and eliminate them. It's kind of like what we said about Project Votus. If it happens to delay reanimation, okay. But the point of Votus is not that point. The point of Votus is to commit genocide, essentially. So if they happen to hit Morgan and Grace as they're running, sorry, Morgan and Al as they're running away, uh, fine. But the whole that maybe that them shooting at them in the way that they did wasn't about killing them as much as backing them into a corner of their making. I, I'm twisting circles. Yeah, to but kind don't of make they want to? If 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 the goal is to back them into a corner, the ultimate goal is still elimination, right? Like whether. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, but also so, to get at Isabel too. Like if if these people have info on Isabel, the the ground seventeen, then that's really the goal too. Had had Al said anything at this point about Isabel? I don't remember if she if they knew mm, yes. who they were chasing at this point. Yeah, because because she spills the beans. In uh, with two, uh, you're with her. That's that's what he says. He does spill the beans on Isabel, not necessarily okay. the name, but she says the people that helped out Sarah and Lucy Wes and Lucy and Wes, right, Rabbi. Exactly. Okay, while they're chasing them through the the little parking area, is when they yeah. find out Al had contact with Isabel, or was it before the chase scene? Not about contact, but about uh, during 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 the, their, their escape. But it doesn't matter, I mean, like, whether or okay. not he finds out then or not. Well, no, um, I, what my whole process does matter, though. The only reason they wouldn't be shooting to kill at this point is, like you said, they want to question Al about Isabel's whereabouts. But yeah. if they didn't find that information out until after the chase, then their goal oh. at that time would have been to kill. 
So no, when think, they think... know that does make a difference, uh, yeah. whether or not and they're so, trying to kill Al or just back her into a corner, like you say. Right. I think they are backing into a corner. And maybe the answer, any that answers your question, because they are trying to find out. They want to get info on before they eliminate them. Right. But they want to get info okay. on Isabel. That makes sense now. We've just made I, that, sense of that scene. Why they couldn't necessarily sit, hit them. That does sit a little bit better with me. I couldn't remember if the CRM soldiers knew at that point that Al had made contact with Isabel it, at all in general. So two points to kind of put a button on this. Okay. First point, I'll say right out loud, because it, it's a link to Walking Dead World Beyond. Okay, you ready for this? Bring it. When the CRM soldiers are about to kill, quote unquote, Al, they say, and this is at Fort San Vicente, uh, okay. they say one shot kill. Yes. In the episode we're about to cover, they say this right before they're about to take out the perimeter colony. They say one shot kill. That's the mm -hmm. only time they say it too. One shot kill, meaning this is it. Make it count. They're dying here. They didn't say this anywhere else in, in the episode in Fear of the Walking Dead. Now we're back in Fear of the Walking Dead land. They didn't say this anywhere in the episode. Point number two, the fact that they keep Morgan, Morgan and Grace alive in order to question Al about Isabel. Uh, all this time trying to get the info, all this time not killing them. So the whole point is to keep them whole until such a point where they can eliminate their targets, you know, not keeping their promises. It's not about keeping promises. These aren't honorable people. These are the last light of the world. The normal rules don't apply to them. They get what they want, they eliminate the targets or any evidence that they've ever been there, and then they get the GTFO, and Al knows that. And that's why in that moment, it was very difficult for Al to give up Isabel, knowing that Morgan and Grace would die in that moment. So all that she's doing now is biding time for Morgan and Grace to overcome them. Al knows that Morgan and Grace are dead. But if there's any chance in, in them getting out alive, it's wasting time trying to bargain with the CRM soldiers for, you know, like, oh, let me try to figure out a way to waste more time with them on the walkie so that Morgan and Grace go, what? they can go, what the fuck is that? Give me proof. I want proof that Isabel, where, that you know where she is. Ah, well, I can't. All right, one, boom, two. Again, luck. Were you, were you scared at all? Serious, honestly. I'm going to say, I'm going to really? say this. There was a moment where I thought maybe Grace, because again, plot armor for Morgan, right? But I thought maybe yeah. for Grace, because because she she had said out loud, I have a baby. And Rachel said that too, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I mean, when, when Emil was coming down the door, like, like yeah, it's like the crying babies in the background. Do I think Emil's not going to kill the baby? Yeah, I think Emil's going to kill Rachel, pregnant Rachel giving birth. Sure. Yeah, of course. Because you know how it is, right? When somebody admits that, that oh, we have a child. I love her. Think of her, you know, and oh, she's all we have. Well, that's when they finally get killed, right? Because <laughs> they, they admit they love the kid. So now when, now they get killed. Now Morgan's going to be left to, to take care of baby. I thought it was a split second. Okay. I thought mm -hmm. for a second she might go. And it's the CRM, right? I felt the same way you did. I really, I mean, I wasn't worried about Morgan at all because, you know, like you said, think plot armor. Right. But for Grace, I, I did think we might lose her in that moment. But I wasn't, I wasn't too scared because... I don't know. I also feel like this now this has nothing to do with Karen David because I think she's an amazing actress. She plays Grace phenomenally well. But Grace herself, I feel like has been wanting to die for years. So at this point, if Grace does bite the bullet, literally maybe, I, I wouldn't be too broken up about it. I would feel more like, you know what? This is what she wanted. And yet, ironically, she shows that that's not what she wants. Kind of interesting to see her to make a reversal. Also, I mean, I will say this out loud. Her not wanting to die in that moment and wanting to be there for Mo. Her having that conversation with Al just beforehand, because Al has this moment with with. Grace, Al says, I'm sorry about your baby. 
And there's oh, a clear, yes. like all these little nuggets play mm. into like work on Al, but they work on Al. Uh, uh, Grace says, some days are hard, but some days are, are different, she says. And I keep, I keep thinking to Al and how she must think in her head. If she can somehow make it through the day, you know, why couldn't I? And why couldn't I? Like, and she still wants to be, and she somehow wants to be around. Why couldn't I? Eh, depending on the moment. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure it didn't sink in in that moment, right? I'm no, sure it did not. I mean, not for sink. Grace, Grace d wants to be here depending on the moment. I feel like she's sort of flip floppy whether she wants to be around or not around. Well, or... do you feel that way after the end of this episode? It feels like she wants to be there generally for Mo. For like, sure. she's smiling for, for yeah. right now. But for this episode, you mean? For right oh, now, wow. yes. But next episode, she might flip and be like, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. Just kill me. Who knows? We've seen Grace go yeah. back and forth on this for years. I don't know about back and forth. I think she was adamant about not wanting to go through this for a very long time. Well, actually, maybe to your point, the, the writers have made a concerted effort to leave such a strong impression on you from season five, I think. Oh, yeah, until absolutely. Now. That it, it makes you hard to believe that she has changed. Well, maybe they're going to keep showing us gradually how she has changed. Because yeah. this is a gradual yeah. nugget that we got in this I episode. Guess, I guess it's not fair. It's not fair for me to say that, more, that Grace wants to die. But I will say she is she has accepted it if it happens it happens or she had at least well i guess that's that's what i'm saying she's back and forth on not wanting to die necessarily but accepting it and saying okay i've i've done what i can i'm my time here is done i'm tired i'm right. checked out yeah well yeah because there's obviously a difference between wanting to go and then exactly being yes. okay with going yes right? yeah. yeah yeah that's what i meant to say she is she's okay <sighs> if she dies i shouldn't have said oh. she wants to that's wrong no no you're fine <laughs> because now that I'm thinking about it, wh why wouldn't they take her away from us at this point? Mm -hmm. They're going to get slowly bring us bring us back to a point which she doesn't want to die. And then she will. And then, they, and then she will. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Now, that's what they do to us. <laughs> I think they that's hate genius. Us. They hate I, us. <laughs> I, I think that's genius. <laughs> but I also think, fuck you. And they're going to do it in such a way where I'm even saying this out loud. But they're going to do it in such a way that even if I'm me saying this out loud and it does happen, it's still going to get us. It's still going to get us. And we're going to feel mm -hmm. it because mm -hmm. they're gradually like they're really slowly making us believe that she doesn't want this anymore. That she doesn't want to die anymore. Mm -hmm. They're getting slowly to believe that, yeah, baby Mo is my baby, mm -hmm. that Morgan is the love of my life and that he loves me back. And I love that they're like this team now. Yeah. They're a team now. You f Did you feel that Morgan and Grace were a team in this episode? I yes. have never felt Morgan be a team with even John. I'm going to say this out loud. Mm -hmm. To a certain extent, John, but this is like bread, meat, butter. <laughs> like yeah. they're wearing, they're almost wearing the same outfit. It's it's cute. <laughs> it's, right? Am I wrong? Like no, they, they, they're like they a duo. This, yeah, they're they like the dark look, horses. They look like a tag team. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Sharon doesn't even sing like John. Uh, mm -hmm. but, you know, right. Like as soon as you don't want to die, it's never too late. Uh, you know, yep. you do. Right. We went through a journey in this episode, haven't we? We, we talked about some personal, deep personal shit. We, we, mm -hmm. we talked about like how in some ways, yeah, this episode can be frustrating, but we took a moment to college effort, our best effort to try to connect. And yeah. I, I think, I think we did it. I think we did it. I think I, think I feel I better about this episode now. I think I could actually watch it again through new new eyes. I think I might, and, and, maybe really I could actually it. appreciate it, uh, watching it again, having having gone through our therapy session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I kind of want to say this one thing because I, I, I think this episode was really a gamble. I think it really affects other people more than 
more than maybe even more than most. I, I think you're right. This episode was definitely for specific people. I, I do understand where where Althea is coming from. I do understand it on a deep personal level how afraid one might be, even in the nuclear zombie apocalypse uh let's say let's remove that equation i i know people who are afraid to go for it yeah knowing how well, hard it is and jasmine wasn't it jasmine who hard said relationships earlier, are. wasn't it jasmine earlier she said maybe she's afraid to be happy or afraid yeah. of some, something along those lines and that makes perfect sense too because al is the first person we've seen get a happy ending so why sh why should she believe it would work out for Jesus. her that it would work well, out I mean, in light well, of besides yeah forget forget whether or not she deserves it you know yeah, why yeah. what evidence does she have that a happy ending is even possible so why right. try it's never happened for anybody else why would it happen for me right maybe al listened to our podcast when we, when we <laughs> talked about lee and daryl like them knowing that you know love kind of makes you weak and you know there you go or morgan hey maybe she heard morgan over radio <laughs> or not morgan sorry victor over radio saying ah i don't Love makes you dumb, eh, whatever. It's not as if she doesn't see these stories play out in the real world, zombie apocalypse or not, that when you fall in love with somebody, eh, you're marked for death or like, you know, bad things happen. Al is world weary, you know? It's not as if she doesn't know things as a result of her travels. Twisted round, truth out loud, mm. you know, she knows things and maybe, and so like, there's a trauma there. When you're a police officer and you have to settle domestic disputes or stop violent crime or maybe get hit by a bullet as a result of trying to stop crime. You know, I can only imagine where Al is coming from and then couple that with not being part of the story. It was never meant to be a part of the story. And, and maybe to your point about June, like how can she even think about that there's a world of happiness out there for me, right? Like, so when, when Al sees June having just lost, lost John, like there, there's a part of her thinks maybe in what way do I deserve to be happy when there's so much sadness around or you know, like this man just this this woman just lost her husband. You know, how how can I ever hope to actually make it? She has she has a lot of evidence on her side to say, don't do this. How can I be happy when I don't know who killed my brother? What caused this thing to happen to everybody's brothers, yeah. right? to everybody's husbands and wives? How can I sleep not knowing that? How can I give this up? Because that's the only way. I would have to stop this pursuit in order to be with the person I love. And to your point, how do you, how do I know that's going to work? Okay, let's say that she is the love of my life. How do I know that it's going to work? That's everybody, every one well, of us, not in a zombie apocalypse. Exactly. That's just normal. Yeah. So how can we not understand that? It, it, and then add all those other pressures, right? How do you tell somebody to not be who they, who they thought they were for the better part of maybe 20 years, let's say? <laughs> I'm just throwing an arbitrary number. Uh, maybe 15. Let's say 15. Let's, I don't know. Let's, let's underplay her age. Let's say she's 35. You know, if that's who you wanted to be since college. And then you are. And then you've been that person for 15 years. How do you tell somebody to not be that? How do you tell me to not be an IT guy? You know, like, how do you tell somebody that, oh, well, that those days are over. Now, who are you? I don't know. Mm. I'm a podcaster. Oh, there's no podcast anymore. <laughs> Ooh, who am I now? An Add that to the pile. You're an entertainer. Doing a bad job of it. Can't Percy, more, you're per Sharon you're Percy and Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, take it. I'll take it so to that end of things I actually kind of want to just take a moment to talk about little nuggets that we see throughout the episode one of which is uh, as much as it is in found footage what is the first thing you see when you see our, our little group of of uh, characters uh, sidling up to the USS Pennsylvania. You see, the first thing you see is Sarah in a water cooler mask. Yes! Right? There's like a yes! <laughs> oh, I love that so 
much. What a nice break. <laughs> what a great break in an emotionally, well, it's purportedly emotionally intensive episode. Right, Sherry? <laughs> <laughs> we have fun, right? <laughs> uh, I love that. Oh, man. To, see, and to tie in the Percy, Tony, Elton, but also this moment, entertainment like this has not been available <laughs> <laughs> referring to the magic trick and world beyond but sarah's mask <laughs> entertainment like this is not available yeah uh, oh charity's dead she's dead she's dead <laughs> she's dead tired it was great right and then like daniel stop interviewing me didn't i do that one the first time and like yeah wes and you're asking me about Derek now but there's a significance to seeing this right in this episode there are a bunch of people who are taking their last videos to take with them before they go isabel taking video of al before she goes because she knows she's gonna go morgan taping Althea before she goes to wherever she's going because we don't know that she's going to Isabel yet. She's not until we find out. So you owe me an interview. Uh, and then and then this. Uh, Althea is knowing that she needs to get the story or needs to find out who the CRM are. And I think that I'm like literally in my notes. I'm like, why is she separating from the group? Why? It's not about Al. She said goodbye to Al already. So what is it about? And she's going after the CRM. She's going on a death. She's just having she has a death wish, period. And maybe it's to protect Isabel, let's say. Like, if she has any chance of surviving, she needs to find out who these people are and maybe put a stop to them. But that's not what she does. That's not her job. Her job is to find out the truth. Because I was questioning it myself, guys. Guys, I was questioning it myself. It's in my notes. I have proof. <laughs> so, yeah. So she's she's taking a video of her friends before she goes. Kind of like she did when we saw pieces of that in, in season four, uh, when everybody's sick with the antifreeze poisoning and stuff like that. Like you saw her looking through all those videos, all the people that she was embedded in in the last two years or the last few years from the start of the apocalypse. So that's that's all I'm really saying is that like it, it does occur yeah. to me that that's what she's doing. It just feels like she's, again, reverting. She's taking these last photos, uh, these last videos of her friends before she goes. It's, it's, it's very similar, very similar to the videos that we got to see of other people in season four when they have the antifreeze poisoning and stuff like that. We got to see a little of that. And that's what she's relegating these these people she really does care about. She's asking about Derek. She's asking. And even, even Wes is like, you're asking about Derek now? Oh, it's because you're going. It's sad because like, and look, we get a happy ending by the end of it. Thank goodness. Because even I can't handle much more Mobile. <laughs> but even though I really lo love her character, I love that she's authentic. And maybe, and you know what? Maybe this is a good cap to this whole episode. Maybe the reason why most people don't like Al is because she is like a lot of us. We wrap our identity around the things that we do. We're authentically that sometimes. You know, like, think about even like your father or your mother. Like, what what would they say is their identity? Oh, I do this, I do that. You know, that was my thing. You know, that's, oh, that's how, that's who I am. My job is who I am. Or think about, think about any of your friends. Oh, that's me. That's, I'm a hockey coach. I'm, you know what I mean? That's, that's who I am. Take that away from somebody. Try. <laughs> I mean, they'll move on just like everybody else but who do they become after that what is their that's that's their thing that was their thing for the longest time so i can see why people get pissed because it's like oh they remind me of me they're not part of the story they're not, she's not part of the, the, the and that's maybe even why people are pissed off more she's that and she doesn't connect because of that she doesn't connect with any of our characters she feels like she's above them maybe even or that's mm. maybe that's the impression yeah you know she reminds us too much of a, I mean, wouldn't you and I, I could see a part of us also being sort of the same like right why would you trust people when you know how they can be 
You know, why would you like trust a group? Like we were talking, we talk about this in the Walking Dead World Beyond sometimes. Like, why would you trust anybody? Ash and Dev, like, like hop on, happen onto Ash and Dev, and like, why would you even say hi to them, Elton? What are you dumb, right? <laughs> but then when you see a character like Althea and she doesn't do that, then you're like, fuck this bitch. Why is she connecting with them? <laughs> I mean, she has been with them for a very long time, but like, I, I get it, you know. And she is connecting. She just doesn't realize she's connecting it. I don't think yeah. she really ever connected until Isabel, really. I'm gonna say this out loud. I, in my notes over the last couple of years, have always made mention, whenever we, whenever there's an episode with Al, I've always written, is she a part of the group now? Is she, because I keep track of her progress. I've kept track of her progress throughout the years. The thing that I like to do is, is never lose track of a, a character we don't see too often. Because I feel like that character, when they do that, that character is significant. This brings me back to my swan song theory. It's clear that Al has never really kind of 100% until that Dwight episode last year of, uh, what was it called? Um, Alaska, right? That's when we got to see her unknowingly meld with her brother, Dwight, right? Mm -hmm. And that was was refreshing, right? Wasn't it? It was refreshing to see her It was nice. Had yeah. this banter. Right, it was touching. And then, of course, we get back to this. And it's like, oh, fuck, what is she doing? Ah, right, it's frustrating, right? Yes. But there's a greater purpose to this. Like, part of the, part of the thing that I mentioned about the Walking Dead universe swan song was that Al was the was going to be the sole survivor of this. And in a sense, I there's there's no reason for me to think that she wouldn't be, only because now she's she's away from the rest of the mayhem that's going on. She's this is her last episode of this season at the very least. So why can't she go to the movies, mm -hmm. right? This is I made this prediction a very long time ago. It feels like forever now. Mm -hmm. Why can't she be the sole survivor of Fear the Walking Dead? Why can't everybody else just die? Because <laughs> now she's safe, sort of. We'll see. With the caveat that she is safe because she decides to become a part of the story, and in retrospect, she gets to tell the tale of everybody else in a way that is very connected. She gets to tell the tale of the Clarks and you know, and and Alicia and Strand and Morgan and John and all these people with reverence because she was she was a part of their story that she is connected to them that is my walking dead universe swan song yeah yep. so she's samuel tarley from game of thrones yeah in a sense yeah but she's involved she's a part of the story and then she gets to be on the movies and maybe there's a, a little bit of interplay there you know like i and that's just a bonus for me i don't give a shit about that but, but it's kind of interesting i guess we can leave off with the following be a part of the story dave I'm, say I'm saying this to you, but I'm saying this to me also. Be a part of the story. Don't just be sitting on the sidelines. The thing that you do for a living isn't who you are. It's a part of who you are. Don't let it be your identity. Don't let podcasting be your identity. Don't let, <laughs> don't let being an IT guy be your identity. You are much more than what you do. Embrace all of the things that you are. And with that, if you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawking dead. Five stars and eggplant is all we need to know that you love us. But if you'd like to say more, go for it. Tell us what we Please. got right. Tell, tell us what we got wrong, but tell us after every episode because it makes a difference. Thank you, Stephanie, by the way. She's been a rock star. She, is, she just wrote a, a, she wrote a Walking Dead World Beyond review without watching Walking Dead World Beyond. She just said she <laughs> admires our passion. She loves how we go for it. She loves how, we, how even having not watched it, she just loves that we, we give our heart and soul to it. And we do. Thank you, we Stephanie. Do. This is a very, this is, takes a huge emotional toll on me yep. to cover these episodes. It does. I'm joking about it, but it does. <laughs> but we, we do this for for you. I, I I had one of my toilet thoughts, right? Okay, my toilet thoughts where I said, if, if I was doing this just for myself, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But I'm do, we're doing this for you. Yep. Doing this for you. And we ask for nothing back is just to listen. That's all. And hey, if you want to listen further, if you want to be part of our story, 
the, our Squawking Dead story. Head over to ko-fi.com slash Squawking Dead and just follow us. You'll know when we record. You'll know when we drop an unedited episode recording. You'll know when we do something cool. And hey, if you want to dip your toe in the water, tip us and get 30 days of supportive back content. You'll get to be part of these chats like Jasmine, Mario, and even Sharon are, are, uh, have taken part in. You'll get the unedited episode recordings for 30 days. If you want to get continuous access, you can be a Walker's tier member for just a dollar a month. How great is that? In any case, I've been, I've been your host, David Cameo. I was joined by Cosmom09. Sharon these takes interspersed in this episode. Have a great one. I hope you enjoyed this breakdown. Take care, and we'll see you in the next one in a couple hours. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Say goodbye, Rachel's bladder. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode, the sixth episode in Fear the Walking Dead's seventh season titled Reclamation. Uh, I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmom09. This episode has been brought to you by, generously brought to you by, our Survivors tier members. Uh, that would be jasmine.iec on Instagram, whispersuk on Instagram, as well as Jones 71 on Instagram. Uh, they are the top tier in our Kofi memberships. They have the ability to join us on our in our episode breakdowns. We are happy to have them. They add such a color to our episode breakdowns. And it's been so great to see so many wonderful fans uh, hop onto this tier and join us on this ride. It is a very expensive tier, but they also get benefits such as this, is shouting their names out at the beginning of the, the credits or the end of the episodes. They also get 50% off in the merch store, uh, as well as full Discord access uh, alongside us uh, core members. But let's not forget our Whispers tier members who also receive credits at the end of the episodes. Those would be Aiden underscore Atkin underscore on Instagram, Tyler Philip Cox on Instagram uh, and Twitter. And he has a YouTube channel called Let's Taco About the Dead, as well as Judith.Morton on Instagram. And let's not forget, of course, how could you, at fanart underscore Lindy, the talented fanart underscore Lindy. Check her out. Uh, just letting you know, this has been a wild ride. This episode changed a lot of minds, uh, or at least got people to see this episode in a different way, and we're very, very happy that that was possible. Jasmine in the audience lending her opinion, Sharon D, who couldn't quite make it but did lend us her takes. Uh, also in the audience, Mario, as always, in the Walkers tier, which is the least expensive tier with the most foundational benefits, uh, which you can join up at ko-fi.com slash dead for as little as a dollar a month to get access to our links to our recording sessions so that you can join us in the chat to lend your voice as well as the link to the unedited episode recording stream which has been very successful lately uh, we get a lot of hits on that so it's a shame that youtube doesn't count the unedited uh, episode streams uh, against our watch hours that's why we need your help to raise our youtube numbers youtube.com slash squawking dead even if you're listening to here uh to this podcast on audio on spotify or google podcasts or or uh, apple podcasts please consider subscribing to our youtube account and you know 
maybe play a couple videos, you know, on mute and just in the background while you're while you're working. That that really helps a lot. <laughs> but more than anything, please, please, please subscribe to our uh, our YouTube channel. You can turn off notifications if you're already listening on audio. It just really, really helps us a lot more than you would, you'd even think. Uh, I mean, heck, who knows what where we can go with your help? And if you really like this thing and want this to keep going, these free solutions take no time whatsoever and help the podcast in tremendous ways that you can't even imagine anyways thank you so much for being here thank you so much for listening at the very least that's another free solution (laughs) but we're glad to have you here we're glad to do this for you and we'll see you in the next one take care